Welcome everyone to the very latest Bolt from the Blue podcast and we've got the full A team here. We've got Hannibal, which is Colin Savage. We've got B.A. <laughs> Baracus, which is uh, Charles Deneen. We've also got Ray, who is uh, Howling Mad Murdoch, I think. I don't know how you get it's that. that. But anyway, um, we've got uh, the three of them. I guess I'm probably the face man then. You're Amy. <laughs> Amy, okay, I'm, I, I'm the girl. Okay, well guys, listen, uh, we're here to talk about the FA Cup game against Fulham. And guys, these were no mugs. They have been scoring sixes and sevens. They're, what, I think five points uh, top of the championship. Formidable outfit of, obviously, they've got this guy called Fabio Carvalho, who Liverpool wanted desperately to sign. Couldn't make it before the uh, the end of the transfer window. But it was, um, obviously, they have that big thug Mitrovic up front. And, um, yeah, it was a, it was a challenge, uh, Bernard. And I think in the first half, what I read, I don't know if this is true or not, but um, apparently they were only the second team to complete 200 passes in the first half against Man City. Uh, uh, Bernard, what did you think of them in the first half? Yeah, I I think we expected that from Fulham, didn't we? We knew they played good football, they liked to play football. I mean, the court was a bit cold, didn't they? But, uh, yeah, you would be hard-pressed to say who was top of the Premiership and who was top of the Championship based on uh, certainly the first 45 minutes. Uh, it could have it could have easily been a, a draw at half-time. I think I wasn't surprised by Fulham, and I'm glad they came and, and they were brave and, and they had a go, and it made, it made a real game of it. Ray, we didn't get off to the best of starts. Uh, you could say that. I think we had half a chance early on, and then within, was it four minutes or so, five minutes, they, they scored. Um, quite remarkable goal, actually, the way they basically ran through as we, we lost the ball in midfield uh, and uh, we were just well out of... Well, actually, we lost the ball in their third, I think. They just, yeah. a couple of passes, pump, you know, pumped it out wide. Uh, Concello had to chase his man and he was never really going to catch him properly. And we were just outnumbered. They ended up with a 4v3 situation. I think Nathan Aki was nowhere to be seen. I'm not uh, going to pin a lot of blame on him. It's just the way where we lost the ball and he was up the field, um, too far up to to be able to get back. But it was, I think, it was a poor goal to concede. Decisions had to be made, and I think um, Walker in particular made the wrong decision. I mean, Concello went out to his man, so you know, Concello's going out. He, his man still managed to get a cross in, but when they were, he was going down the wing, Stones was marking the guy um, nearest to him. He looked behind him. Saw Walker there with the man who was uh, in between Walker and Stones. So Stones looks and ex- is expecting Walker to be covering the man who a- who is Carvalho, who ends up scoring the goal from in a- inside our six-yard area. And I think uh, Walker should be covering him as well. Now Walker did have a man behind him as well, so he was obviously caught in two minds. But for me, the business area, the danger area, is in our six-yard box. It's the man in front of Walker. It's Carvalho who was just in oceans of space. It's not the guy behind Walker. Now, I think Walker should have moved across. Stones was marking his man, as he expects to do. Walker should have moved across to Carvalho. If the cross was so good that it evades Walker, it goes over him, and there's a guy coming in at the far post, I don't blame Walker for that. Walker's made the right decision on percentages to mark the guy who's in the danger area. I just think he made the wrong decision. And it was it was a tap-in for Carvalho. It was... It was ridiculous, and I think um, 
you know, the ground, apart from the Fulham fans, were was were in was in stunned sti- silence. If I can get the words out. So, yeah, I, it was an odd one that because when I saw it in real time, I think it it looked like the defenders. I mean, defenders do this, don't they? They they run back and they almost like they're ball watching and not watching the attackers and thinking about where they need to be. And it looked like that at first glance um, in real time from my end of the stadium. But when I watched the replay, I think yeah, Stones and Walker were just both caught in two minds, weren't they? I, th- I think Ray was right. Walker made a decision, he made the wrong one. Stones probably should have done a bit better. I- I'd say Cancelo probably should have done a bit better to stop the cross. But, you know, it was a very quick break. Uh, Fulham got one more man forward than we did. And uh, we paid the price. Ray and I were having a little bit of a joke about my propensity to uh, spot uh, various aesthetic um, appearances of uh, players, and it looked like um, it looked like Nathan Ake had uh, tied tied his hair back um, for the first time that we've we've actually seen him. He normally has his dreadlocks, you know, hanging on his forehead. There, I don't think that he was uh, to blame for that. I would put it mostly on Cancelo. Uh, Ray disagrees. He thinks it was maybe a little bit about Kyle Walker. Kyle Walker, I thought, had a majestic performance all the way through, but that was maybe not his best moment. Yeah, I think I think they just caught us on the up, mate, to be honest with you. I mean, we had three guys back, which, let's face it, at the Etihad, if we've got three guys back, we probably only need two or one usually because teams don't do that to us. So I just think they caught us a little bit cold. As I think Colin said there, we had a great chance up the other end. And literally, it was probably within a minute or 90 seconds we had this. I think we just, uh, we were paying them respect, but I think defensively, with the, all credit to Fulham. Uh, they had four men very quickly up that pitch, and we just didn't have the cover. And as I said, we don't know where Aki was, but he, in the way we play, he was probably probably a little bit further up as we as he would normally be. It just sort of all, all went wrong, and we sort of lost out on on speed, didn't we? We lost out all over that pitch. I mean, not three of those guys, Cancelo and Stones had had Walker's pace. I still don't think we would have stopped it. It was just great play by Fulham, and I think we have to give them full credit for it. I think Fulham are a, a, a very formidable team, a very impressive team. Ray, that, uh, that lead didn't last very long, though. Absolutely, within... 90 seconds, um, we'd got that equaliser. Um, I think if I'm, I'm going to remember everything now, Phil Foden burst through about three players. Electric pace, you know. Um, it was, it looked incredible. Like the other guys were in quicksand or something, and, and uh, Foden was flying through the air, you know, on, on a jetpack or something because he zipped past them. The ball came in, uh, and I think ended up with Grealish, and Grealish, I think he took just a, a fraction too long and. I think he had a shot and it squirmed out and uh, it went back towards Foden, who was now offside. So he left it, sensible thing, and let someone else um, cross it in to the far post to Mares. Uh, Mares controlled it. He put the ball, he fizzed it back in actually, but he, he'd seen Gundogan uh, probably about eight yards out and Mares fizzed it straight to him and Gundogan just used the pace of the cross just to time it perfectly uh, into the corner of the goal. And I think. Fulham, Fulham players was looked stunned because you know it was just a, such a sweet, sweetly timed shot, side of the foot into the corner. Goalie had absolutely no chance. We were level, and that's the best way to do it. You don't want to give teams time in the lead because obviously that will you know uh, give them confidence and give them hope that they can hang on. And we've seen it this weekend with so many. Uh, either upsets or almost uh, upsets. You know, I think we saw tonight. I was watching 
little bit at the Bournemouth Wood. You know, people say Bournemouth Wood, who were they beating um, Bournemouth when I, when I was watching? No, no, I, I just I was uh, just keeping on track of it. But you had Leicester getting pumped by by Forest. You know, so Bournemouth won, beat Bournemouth away from home. Forest thrashed Leicester. Uh, we had Plymouth almost doing it against uh, uh, Chelsea. We had um, uh, another almost, you know, with uh, Kidibin Saharias almost beating um, West Ham. We had Liverpool cheating their way, as usual, as you'd expect. <laughs> so you, you, well, look, I only speak the truth. I only speak the truth. And you know well, that, guy. We had Manchester United nearly cause an upset, but. Uh... Absolutely. No, <laughs> I don't want to think about that later, guys. I, I didn't talk about the other underdogs getting beaten on Friday night. I didn't think, you know. Uh, I mean, come on, guys. Did, you must have expected Middlesbrough to win. I did. Some good, there'll be some good fun later on about that. But as I said, you don't want to give an opposition a lead, give them a chance to get ahead of uh, ahead of steam, and put us on the pressure uh, and, and give themselves confidence because confidence and a lead, you can hang on. You can hang on and on and on, and then we could have got frustrated. But getting that goal back almost immediately, um, I think actually. That gives it was better than being near nil for us, in my opinion, because we were on the front foot then and they were worried. Uh, Bernard, um, uh, we've, we're not that far into the pod. We've got a first um, live question. Why do you think that um, Pep has been holding Gundogan back? Oh, only in the fact that I think him and Stones have obviously been, we've all been thinking, why have they not been playing? I, I think the trouble with Gundogan is that he's not really. Uh, I think he's played different formations that probably didn't suit him. I don't think there's anything more than that. I just thought, uh, but we wanted to see him, didn't we? Because we know when when uh, Gundogan gets in the box, he's got uh, a very good chance of scoring us some goals. But uh, that's where we want him. We don't want him like like Bernardo. Where sometimes I don't want him further back. I want him. I want him a bit near the front. But I, I think it's just formations and the way the, the games have worked out that uh, I don't think there's anything more sinister. And I think uh, obviously there's hints, obviously going forward that uh, Gundogan will get a new contract, stuff like this. And I think there's a lot going on at the moment with the COVIDs and stuff like that. I, I, I'm, there's nothing sinister in it. And any, I think he did his, his great job that we saw him do three or four games ago before he had this little rest. You know, I, I thought he played very, very well again, uh, Gundogan. And what, what a great, a fantastic goal! So calm as well, so cool. Uh, the way he sort of, sort of almost a back, almost a flick, wasn't it? Almost a back flick rather than a, a side foot. And he's good at that. He doesn't sort of look where it's going and just uh, just side foots it. And the defenders haven't got a clue because they don't know where he's going to put it. So, uh, Ray, what did you think about the lineup? Because there were there, there were a number of comments, and I was surprised about one or two of them, which said that the the city uh, lineup for this particular game was unnecessarily strong. Rubbish. Yes, <laughs> three, three times. Uh, not just once, twice, but thrice rubbish. Um, we saw in the last round, Pep put out a strong side against Swindon. That's Swindon. it. A strong side, I think the only uh, exception was Cole Palmer, and he's pretty much a first-team player now, if you want it. He's part of the squad. He's, he's getting those minutes, and he, he looks like he deserves to be there. So, look, we've had two weeks without ga- for most players without games. The other players who might have played anything, obviously Maris was at AFCON, but he's been, <laughs> he got knocked out so so quickly. Um, that he's had, I think, two weeks off. Um, you had, um, I think, Gabriel Jesus and Edison went out to play international games. Pretty much everybody else has been, uh, almost everybody else has been around. So no one's had a game for two weeks. In fact, you had a, the first week pretty much off on holiday. We saw snaps of, uh, I think, Gundogan was in California. Someone else was in Dubai. Someone else was in Sri Lanka. So people have been all over the world on holiday. 
then they've been training again. So no people, the players have um, most of them a meaningful game for two weeks. Now if you don't play them, we've got a game on against Brentford on Wednesday. You know, so, so you're going to have too many rusty players, in my opinion, before that game on Wednesday. Now there are some players you can just you know might not play for a, a few weeks and just and do the business and they do it every time. Others need to get into the rhythm. We saw Pep earlier in the week talking about Cancelo. He needs to play games to be in that rhythm, to feel good about himself and to feel positive and to do his best. He needs a run of games. So we need a place to have those games. And look, you've got to give Fulham a lot of respect. You know, they're averaging three game, almost three goals a game in the league, in the championship. So they're obviously doing somewhat right. Um, for me, it was, in fact, for me, it, we could have gone a lot stronger. You know, I think there were six players on the bench that I expect to see start against Brentford. Uh, on Wednesday night, so you know, we could have gone stronger if we wanted to, but that was a pretty strong lineup, and uh, it needs to be because you know you can't just leave players out and then leave them out against um, Brentford as well. You've, you know, we've got we've got a small squad, seventeen players or something, uh, seventeen eighteen players, and you've got to give them game time. And, and to be honest, I will say this about the, the Gundogan choice: he's not played. Partly because it's hard to squeeze players in. You know, Pep wants to play Bernardo. You have to play Bernardo in the league games, uh, in the big, important games. He wants to play Kevin De Bruyne. He also wants to play Phil Foden. Um, and he wants to play uh, Jack Grealish. So, you know, there's no space in the league for a lot of times for, for, for Gundogan lately. Uh, obviously, Bernardo was rested yesterday, so Gundogan gets his start. And once again, we see what Ilkay Gundogan delivers, not just offers, he delivers time and time again with controlled uh, play, good passing, and he pops up with these goals. Well, uh, Colin Savage, it was very much, well, in in a lot of areas, it was the B team, but I want to ask you about two particular players that we haven't seen for a while. Um, first of all, the goalkeeper, uh, Zach Stefan, I'd like to ask you for your comments about him, and also we haven't seen uh, Fernandinho for a while, so what did you think about those two particular players? Uh, Zach Stefan, I mean, he's no Edison, but he's usually reliable. And I think the only criticism um, I'd make of Stefan was uh, late on, Fulham had an attack and he parried the shot, but he parried it straight back to a Fulham player. Now, now kind of almost rule number one of goalkeeper, or maybe rule number two, because rule number one is don't let the ball in. Uh, rule number two is if you're going to parry it, parry it off to the side where it can't, you know, where it can't do any damage. But he parried it off into a, a dangerous area. Then he, that fortunately, the shot um, that, that came back was fairly weak and didn't trouble him. So, uh, but yeah, he looks good. Um, as I say he's no Edison though. Um, you know, not quite got Edison's distribution. But yeah, he did. He did the job. I don't think um, you, you know you can't blame him for the goal in any way. And as I said the only criticism I make is that he put this uh, ball that he he saved back into a dangerous area when perhaps. He should have done a bit better. So, so yeah, fine for him. Fernandinho is Fernandinho, isn't he? I mean, we were laughing. He, he took one of the uh, Fulham players out at, at one point. <laughs> he did indeed. Late in the first half, I think it was. And we're laughing, you know, you know when you've been Fernandinho'd. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, he's, he's, so he's, he's a masculine man, I think. Yeah. <laughs> he just needs to go out with the orange glove for the next game. <laughs> it, and that, would, that name will stick. But, yeah, he's always so reliable, isn't he? Uh, you know, he does that job, he mops up, gets the ball forward. And it was an interesting one because Fulham actually press very high. Uh, and you'd imagine that he would be less effective against that. But he managed, there was nothing I saw in that game that, that I could criticise him for particularly. 
Let's go over to Bernadette. Now, Bernard, um, you obviously, we, uh, as Ray rightly pointed out, you've had um, Premier League teams having all kinds of problems against lower league opposition. You would think, you would think that this would have been our stiffest challenge because obviously uh, Fulham been scoring loads of goals and uh, top of the championship. What did you make of them in the first half, Bernard? Um, uh, did you like the way that Fulham played? Yeah, I mean, obviously, the thing the thing with Fulham is, obviously, they play football. City are OK against teams that play football, and obviously City allow teams to play football as well. I mean, for all, for all the ball they had, I don't know what the possession stats were at, at half-time. Um, we were talking about Stefan a minute ago. I mean, obviously, I remember those two incidents in the second half, but I don't particularly remember Stefan being that troubled by him in that first half. So, for all the ball they had and all the things they were doing, they played very, very well. But, as I say, apart from that first four minutes where we had a, a bit of a combined brain fart with the defence, uh, I think we coped, coped admirably and played very, very well. Uh, allowed them to play football. We played football, but it was more or less around the middle of the pitch. I don't know where all the action zones were, if you like. But, uh, yeah, they were, they were good. They were pretty to watch. But, as I say, I don't think, apart from that start, they caused us too many problems in front in the in the box, you know, where, where they, they, they caused problems. But, uh, yeah, they're a good footballing team. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Would they, would they stay up if they come up again? Possibly not, because the defence still needs sorting out, and that was the problem last time they came up and they went went straight down, wasn't it? But uh, no, they're good on the eye, and Silver Silver's got a good tune out of them, and there's not certainly no reason why they, they won't actually uh, win that uh, championship by a bit of a canter. To be honest with you. Oh, we've got another question here, but this one is for Ray. This question is about Marco Silva, the manager. Uh, I'm going to ask this one to you, and also to Colin Savage now. When he first appeared on the scene, obviously very urbane, very sophisticated-looking manager, and he seemed to do well. My knowledge about him is kind of a little bit shaky, but yours might be a little bit better. What do you reckon of this manager? Does he have something of the Mourinho, the young Mourinho about him, or, or, or not? He was doing okay, was it, at Watford? You know, uh, I think, did he get them into the Premier League? I can't remember the full-back story. And then he went for that that job at Everton. You know, he was given, I think, um, you know, an opportunity beyond what his, his status was and what his achievements were, beyond his level. And it didn't last long. It didn't last long. You know, it, it wasn't good. He had a... The, OK, he wasn't buying all the players. I think he would have had some say in the players like Rich Allison. But, you know, he, there's a director of football there who's probably buying a lot of the players and Silva couldn't make it work. Now, you could argue that Everton are a basket case and no one can make it work, you know. But Marco Silva, he couldn't make it work. Benitez couldn't make it work. Ancelotti couldn't really make it work. No one's really managed to, to make it work. So you've got to be, you know, a bit careful. I, look, he was at Everton for over a season. I'm just looking at his stats. 60 games, he only won 40%, 24 wins. For the amount of money they spent and everything else, it just wasn't good enough. Watford, he wasn't great at Watford when you look back. I'm just looking at it. 26 games, eight wins. Hull before that, 22 games, eight wins. It's not a great win record, but then Fulham, he's got this job at Fulham and he's been there since uh, last summer. And he's got Fulham playing really well. You can't deny that. Oh, look, they've spent a bit of money. They're one of the strongest uh, teams in the in the championship and they've they, you know, they spent all that money when they were in the Premier League and to, only to get relegated. So they've got still got a lot of those good players behind them. So he's, I'm just, his stats are he's played 32, won 19. So it's very, very good win record. 
and he stopped them playing a nice style of football. You know, with players, you know, look at Mitrovic, he's got almost 30 goals. He's the right person at the right place. Um, and he's got some other good players. It's a mix of having some really good players and probably what he's how he's handling them. Who knows where his level is? Is this his level? Is his level championship sort of level? Or will he do well um, with Fulham back in the Premier League? You've got to wait and see. So I think it's early in his career. Yeah, I don't think, yeah, I don't think we, as Ray said, um, I think Everton's a test for any manager at the moment. Uh, yeah, I, you know, it's a difficult place to do well. Oh, I'd say Watford's another one where you don't last long. You know, you lose a couple of games and you're out on your ear. And um, but like we said last time, you know, there's only four Watford, Watford managers to Christmas. Um, <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean, Fulham have scored nearly 30 goals, more than the second highest scorers in the Championship. They've not let that many in, so it's not big. It's not like Kevin Keegan will score five and you score you score four type of stuff. So um, the, the the thing that, that did interest me watching Fulham yesterday was what a high line they they play. They pressed us very very high, and I was thinking that that may work in the Championship. Someone like Liverpool uh, or, or Chelsea or or United or someone like Wolves would get behind them quite easily. Uh, and it's always a puzzle to me how teams can seemingly walk the championship and then you know, completely fall flat in the Premier League. I mean, is there yeah. is there a huge is there that much of a gulf? But you see, teams like Brentford and Sheffield United and Leeds they they make the grade. I mean, Sheffield United obviously they went second season syndrome for them. Brentford we don't know, but teams do make it. But perhaps it's the teams that are less obvious, like Fulham. Less, less football teams, but perhaps a little bit more organised, a little bit more defensive. Um, you know, play more, more in midfield perhaps, and that will survive the like, unlike the Fulham, Fulhams of this world who come out and play football, uh, but go very high. Say so Salah will have a, a field day against Fulham if they, well, assuming they come up next season. Anfield, uh, Mohamed Salah will, will have a field day against Fulham, where that high. Uh, I think even United, and it will be interesting to see again how how Marco Silva makes that transition into the Premier League. Does he stay playing the same way that made them successful in the Championship, or or does he go for a slightly more sophisticated, less risky, you know, lower lower, uh, deeper line than they played yesterday? Right, there there is a, uh, there there is actually a, a chant that goes up from um, City supporters: "We never score from a corner. We never score from a corner." And uh, we're doing it with, um, I'm going to say, like, um, reasonable consistency. Uh, look, it's, look, we should be. We should be scoring more from corners. One, we have a lot of corners in pretty much every single game. We've got some big players, you know, Diaz, uh, Port, Stones, just to name three. Um, they've got, you know, they're all decent-sized units. Got power and strength and height. So you'd think we should be scoring more and actually... Decent-sized units, I love it. <laughs> um, so, you know, beefy chaps, beefy chaps. Um, so, you know, we need to be putting better crosses in and we've seen it, we've criticised KDB, for instance, you know, not beating the first man. I can't remember who, who it was that said, uh, someone put in a corner and who can't beat the first man should be fined two weeks' wages because it's it should be a simple thing to... It should be a simple thing to do. And if you can't do it regularly, practice. 
You know, you practice your free kicks, you practice your penalties, you practice this and that. Practice taking corners to beat the first man and have um, a plan behind. If you can put a corner into the box, have a plan behind it. Now, a lot of the time we, we take these short corners and pass it around to get a different angle and try and, and fool the uh, defence and get try and get behind them and get to the byline again. But if you're going to put it in the box, have a plan, have a good idea and practice. You see other teams come, you know, who know they're going to get very few chances. Hey, end of the day, KDB put a nice corner in into a good area. It just needed that good touch from Stones. And that's what he got. And we, we were 2-1 up uh, midway through that first half. The second half was the story of the Prince of Algeria. And for that, we need to go to Ray. Ray, eat your shorts, Ray. Eat your shorts? What for? <laughs> The guy took a the guy look the guy scored with a penalty. He scored with a penalty and then a miss hit shot that deflected past the keeper. Whoopie da. You know? Um look, Colin could have scored those two goals with his I'm i I'm I'm honest. You know that. I'm honest. Look, he had a decent game, he's got fantastic close control, first touch and all that. Mara's had a decent game, he got the assist for uh Gunduan, he scored the penalty, he stepped up. After he missed the one in Afcom for his uh, national team, where you know they needed to to, to win to get through, um, he, he let them down. But he stepped up, you know, and he's scoring regularly f- uh, with penalties for us. It's a very well taken uh, penalty, very difficult for a keeper to save. It was enough pace and power and precision to make it extremely difficult. Um, he, he scored w- whether it's fortuitous or not. You know, he's the guy with his uh, with that second that that fourth goal. So. You know, he had a decent enough game. People want to give him a man of the match. That's what I'm going to give him, decent enough. I think when I did my player ratings, he got an eight. What more do you want? You know, that's pretty <laughs> decent for me. You know, he had a decent enough game. Playing against a team from the championship, who in the second half weren't really, you know, we knew they were they were gone. They weren't up to too much as the game petered out. And Maris took advantage of them. Well, you know, when he starts doing it, Week in, week out against Liverpool, against your Chelsea's. Such grudging praise. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I think you you gave the most withering put down when you said, you've got to score them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, he's made himself, for me, he's made himself undroppable because no one else can put the penalties in the goal. So, I mean... You know, for me, he's 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 undroppable, and and all. Let's let's give credit as well to Mr. Grealish as well, who obviously set that penalty up. I mean, a fantastic. He nicked the ball, great little run, and as I say, I think I think uh, I listened back to was it Michael Brown on the City comments, who was a bit disparaging and saying, obviously, uh, obviously he went looking for that, but hey, that that's how it is, and quite right, it was a penalty, a clear penalty. There's no cheating involved, and uh, fantastic, but yeah. Mares for me, uh, uh, I'll say to Ray now, he's probably undroppable now as far as City's concerned, just to take the penalties, and that's that's not a bad spot to be in for him. I got continually bleeped while I was watching this game by uh, people talking about the commentary, and it, it turns out the commentary was um, in the charge of uh, Danny Mills, one of your favourites, Colin. What? is going on with that guy. I mean, do you know why he hates us so much? Uh, yes, I do, actually. Um, I didn't, <laughs> obviously, I didn't hear the commentary was at the game, but uh, obviously he came to us. He spent a lot of time on the treatment table. We carried on paying his wages. Um, uh, apparently, he his agent told us he would be open to an extension when he hadn't played for about three years. 
uh, and we said thanks but no thanks and and then apparently after we left uh, he, there must have been some bad blood between it between the, him and the club um because after he left apparently he asked for a reference from the club um in support of his bid to become a governor at his child's school now i think one of his children is disabled uh, i'm not sure if it's the same school but the, the club apparently said no um, <laughs> they wouldn't entertain that which is their right they don't have to give him a reference um and that seems to have um kind of obviously something had you took know, that badly had, then i guess I'd obviously gone on while he was at the club. I mean, apart from him being injured all the time. So, so, so whether it was a case of, uh, you know, he, he had whether a case of maybe the club thought he wasn't as injured as he was making out to be, or, um, or, or what? There was clearly some bad blood uh, there. Uh, and, and when we refused his um, request for a reference, apparently to be a governor at his kid's school, um, that was kind of. Um, I don't think it started it, but. That certainly um, lit the fuse. Um, I think it was about the 75th minute, actually, when they brought on some substitutes. And they brought on um, Bernardo Silva, and uh, I think it was uh, James McAtee and uh, Liam Delap. Uh, not a lot of time for, for them to make any impression, I guess. But um, any observations? Anything that struck your fancy? It was quite difficult for me, obviously, in the south stand. Uh, obviously, all the action was up the other end, so, like, obviously, with the Laporte offside goal, stuff like that. Um, but I thought they were buzzing about. Uh, James McAtee looked to be buzzing about, but it, it, it said I didn't get the greatest view of what was going on. And, and the Delap goal I was obviously delighted, but obviously, I've been, we've talked off air, and it, it was reasonably offside, so there's not much you can do about that. But you know me and Dilap, I, I think if Dilap had stayed fit, he, he would have played a lot more games this season, or featured a lot more in games. Uh, it was very unlucky because I think Pep had an idea with Dilap, and had an, had an idea to use him for a certain role that may may or may not have been carried on with another player coming, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But uh, yeah, I think I think the guys. I think the only guy who didn't sort of seem to touch the ball for me was Bernardo, but he came on fairly late anyway. But I think all the others actively got involved. But to say I, I didn't really see that that much from from my viewpoint. From Pep about Dilap, I, I don't know if you read him or he was saying that you know um, in training against um, Diaz and uh, Laporte and the others. This guy is prepared to go in and, and basically get his nose broken. Um, well, what do you think about him? Oh, um, is he? I mean, obviously there are so many city fans desperate for the youngsters to to break in. Um, do you think he's going to make it? It's a hard one, isn't it? Because um, this is a perennial question. It's such a big step up now from the the kind of academy into the first team, and we don't really have a. There's no B league or something like that where they could perhaps get uh, more consistent experience in a more competitive environment. So uh, who knows? I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not particularly kind of doesn't particularly convince me that Pep's saying he's prepared to get his nose broken. I, I'd rather we had a forward who was managed to avoid the centre halves um, and, and get between them like Aguero always could. But he's a big lad. We were saying yesterday, is that the first time since Aguero's last game against Everton last season that we've actually had a proper striker on the pitch? Uh, yeah, an out-and-out striker. But there's definitely, at, at the moment, definitely a chance for an out-and-out striker to, to make the team, isn't there? Because, let's be honest, 
it has got any competition. And, and, and you know, all the players we do play is a, a false nine, Sterling, Grealish, occasionally put Bernardo there. None of them have shown that they've got, they're a midfield player playing in a central role. You know, they're not like a, a Don Reeve, deep line. Um, centre forward or anything like that. So that's going back a bit. <laughs> that is going back a bit, even 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 close to my time. That we are next opponents, uh, Bernard. And have you ever been there? And <laughs> yes, Peterborough, Peterborough. I think it was the fifth round as well, wasn't it? In 1981, yeah. I'm fairly sure. Uh, in the FA Cup, I'm sure it was the fifth round before the Everton yeah. game, the quarter final. Uh, yeah, very nice. I was stood next to some lovely Peterborough fans who were waving Stanley knives at me. Uh, very nice guys. Um, I didn't get the first names, but uh, they, were, they were sort of very <laughs> welcoming. Very welcoming at uh, the the old London London ground, is it called? Is it, is it London Stadium or London Ground, whatever it's called? Uh, yeah, so I'm looking for a bit of a dump. I'll be honest with you. I'm sorry, Peterborough <laughs> fans, but it was a bit of a dump. If it's any better now, I'm not too sure. But uh, yeah, uh, I heard we were at home actually, and then obviously I heard it was away, and I thought, well, that's uh, and it's going to be a midweek game, isn't it, guys? I think with so there is a possibility of getting a ticket, if, depending on people not saying I'm not going midweek and stuff like that. But uh, uh, it'd be nice to go 40 years virtually to the day since since the last went there and uh, like you did with Highbury a few, you know, a few weeks back, just uh, relive old memories. But I don't want to see any Stanley knives. That's the only yeah, problem. You, you slagged, sorry, mate. You just slagged them off like this. There'll be two people waiting for you. There'll be Stanley and Mac. They'll be waiting for you <laughs> next, uh, when you uh, turn up there, mate. Don't worry about that. I'm going to go over to Colin Savage and, um, and beat Alan Partridge and say, um, uh, Colin, um, where is it, and have you been there? Uh, Peterborough. It's down the A1, so it's um, Cambridge-type way, um, although I think it's a bit... Cambridge-type way. <laughs> I, I, I'm just trying to remember if I've been to Peterborough, actually. I, not knowingly. It, it's between Stamford and um, Huntingdon, so kind of just <laughs> not... I don't believe I've... I was trying to think, I might have been... I thought I might have gone down there, but no, no, I haven't. Uh, I think I might have driven past because I've been up the A1 once, but um, uh, no, I've never been to it. We've only played them the once, it, as Bernard said, 1981, 14th of February, fifth round of the FA Cup. So um, it would have been nice to get them at home because I know uh, my, my pal Jed, who, who's been to most grounds now, he's he's never he, he was at Peterborough uh, in 81, but he's never seen us play them at home. So, yeah, no, it's... a. Uh, you know, struggling championship side, but uh, championship sides can do, don't we? Yeah, I was there last year. I was uh, at an event at the, um, what did they call it? The East of England Showground, I think it was. So it's, it's not too far. I can't remember now. It took me about, it's about two hours. I think it took me two hours to get there, pretty much, something yeah. like that. So it's, um, yeah, MC2A1. Um, they're a decent side, managed by Darren Ferguson these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a few times. But it's, I was going to say, it's a very small ground, so there'll not be a lot of tickets. Even if we get 15% of tickets, it's a 15,000 capacity stadium. So we're looking at, you know, if we're lucky, we'll get uh, to just under 2,500 tickets. So it's going to be a mad scramble for tickets for that one. Well, there you are, uh, Peterborough. And uh, as I checked their record, and uh, Ray understood it, I think Dar Darren Ferguson has been their manager no less than four times. I've just checked that on Wikipedia. They keep bringing him back. Bernard, what are your, what, do you think Pep will put out a scratch team for this? Oh, no, no. Um, but we've got, um, we've got a problem. What have we got? If, um, is this before the Champions League? I'm not too sure. It's going to work out. Right the Champions... 2nd of March. 
It'll be around the 2nd yeah. of March. So it's a week before the Champions League game against Sporting. Um, oh, right. Sporting yeah. game is next week. The, or the 15th, sorry. So this is smart bang in between. In, in fact, it's four days, four days before the derby. So, uh, is it, uh, let's face it, unless we have a raft, a raft of injuries between now and then, obviously he's got he's going to go fairly strong. I mean, you won't see a, a much different team to what we played to, to, against uh, yesterday against um, whoever we played yesterday. <laughs> God, Fulham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't think so. But we take one game at a game at a time, Mike, don't we? That, that's what we do. So we we can't really say at the moment. We'll, we'll see. Very, near. You think he wants the FA Cup? Yeah, I think so. I mean, his programme notes, he was very positive about the FA Cup. I was reading through his programme notes uh, for my little thing. And, uh, yeah, and I think we all do, don't we, guys? I think we've underperformed in the FA Cup. I think we've said that before and we, we want that. Now we've not got the League Cup. Uh, we want the FA Cup, the Champions League and the League, don't we? So I've seen it on the on social media today, Manchester Evening News. The treble is still on, so we've not heard that for a little while, have we? You know, it's usually the quadruple, but... Uh, yeah, the evening news led with the treble is still on, so there you go. Ray, was there anything that gave you a bigger laugh in the last two weeks than Kenny Dalglish talking about um, um, talking about Wembley as Anfield South? <laughs> no, we, we think we covered that. Anfield South. It's ridiculous because uh, as, as, uh, you know Liverpool in the last few years have hardly been there. If you take out the games against Spurs, okay, and the communities, well, I think Liverpool have been there since Klopp's been around. Three times, uh, two of them were the Community Shield, and the other one was the 2016 uh, League Cup, which they lost. See, and Pep, we've been there for four League Cup finals time under Pep. We've been there to, uh, for the FA Cup win, the FA Cup semi final, obviously. Another one that we lost to Chelsea, another one we lost to to Arsenal. So just looking at them, and and, and prior to that, obviously, we've been there for the one in 2014, 2016. They never won the League Cup till 1980. 1980. And because they were, you know, obviously, the, the best team around at the time, they won it a lot around that time. They won it four times on the bank, same as us. I think each team has won it four times, sorry, eight times each, and we've had a streak of four wins on the bank. But City won the League Cup back in 1970, 10 years before Liverpool ever won it. You know, you look at the FA Cup, City won it in, I mean, Burnham will always correct me when I'm wrong here. They won it in 1904. <laughs> Liverpool won it in 1965. 1965. So where this, you know, Anfield South, it, that Anfield South was a short period of time where they won lots of League Cups and a few FA Cups. City have now, over the last 10 or 11 years, I mean, I've been to Wembley more times than have being to see visit my mother-in-law. It's that often, we, you know, you, you got you, you get your same uh, place in the car park, you go to the same uh, hostelries, and, you know, they know you by name, they know what your order is. <laughs> so often. Yeah. They're so often, yeah, you know. Yeah, you will know, say, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. That's oh, you, know, say, say, you know, same as last year. And that's it, every time, same as last year, you go to the same hotels. You know, we're creatures of habit, and we're used to it, and, you know, it's just... You know, you know the coppers by the first name. You know, first name terms with the coppers and the stewards now. You know, so <laughs> Anfield South be uh, the, the nearest you get. I'd say Egbert South. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I think that'll probably that that that's given me a, a real good laugh to finish off with, guys. I think we'll, that'll do us for now. 
and uh, we'll be back with you after the next game. But I mean, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, just uh, going through this again. Um, City win again. We're into the next round of the FA Cup. Uh, I will be able to hold my head up high on the next uh, beat from the uh, the last uh, uh, man podcast and be back with them. He actually told me that um, they have been uh, following a team right from the beginning of the FA Cup, but they had never been with the same guy twice because whichever team that they followed got knocked out. And so he asked me... Um, do you think you can beat the curse? And I think, I, th- I think we can. And so here we are. And so we're into the next round. And so that's fantastic, guys. Um, really, really lovely time with the guys. Let's just thank them and uh, give our appreciation to them before we sign off. You've been listening to Bernard Deneen. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, it's a pleasure, mate. And I've just had uh, Ray's mother-in-law on. She'd like to see him next week, if possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't have said that. And you've also been um, you've also been li- listening to Colin Savage. Colin, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, well, it's, it's a pleasure. I don't. I, I'm not sure I want to meet Ray's mother-in-law. I'm sure, she's a very nice woman. But can I can I just be serious for a second and uh, wish all the best to a chap called Mark Barber, who, who was one of our, our original City Matters committee members and unfortunately suffered a heart attack um, a few days ago. Uh, he is recovering in hospital. I don't know if he listened to the pod. But um, uh, wish him well, of course. Yeah, uh, good luck to Mark. Uh, luckily, I think that um, there's a lot better chances um, for people that suffer that particular affliction um, nowadays than, than, than there used to be. So we really um, extend our best wishes to him. You've also been listening to Ray from City Fan TV. Thank you so much, Ray, for coming on. Always a pleasure. And, and in the same vein, a bit of sad news. Uh, a City fan uh, did suffer a heart attack yesterday, apparently after the game, and sadly passed away. So just want to pass yeah. on uh, condolences to his family and friends. All right, guys. Well, listen, you stay healthy and uh, be healthy. We, we wish you all the best. Thank you very much for listening. Um, you can find us on Spotify, on Apple, on TuneIn, on Stitcher, and TuneIn, and pr- pretty much all of the, the main uh, podcatchers out there. And uh, we hope that you'll listen and we hope that you'll come back for the next pod. And we'll be here with you again. Hopefully the A-team with us again. Uh, thank you so much. And we'll finish off in the normal way by saying, have one of us, guys, and up the blues.